as preseason week number three has come, and uh, well, now it's put to bed pretty much. We are now in the phase of roster cutdowns. Um, thought I would take some time to explain from an NFL general manager standpoint, personnel director standpoint, what goes on in the final stages of roster cutdowns, roster accumulation. You've got some interesting decisions to make. There's a process that thorough process that we go through. Uh, and that is what we're going to talk about today. The understanding the roster cutdown process in the NFL as that is Tuesday, the 29th at, at, um, at noon Eastern time. So um, we're going to discuss that today on the latest edition of the Landry football podcast, part of um, excuse me, the Landry Football Podcast, part of the Landry Football Podcast Network. So make sure that you subscribe, like, and share the Landry Football Podcast Network on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. So the other thing I wanted to mention to you is the importance during this football season to get access to LandryFootball.com. It'll take you through the football season better than anyone has helped you before. It'll Hold your hand through the college football season, through the NFL, breaking down the game from a scouting, coaching, front office viewpoint. You will see the game and understand the game better than ever before, but would be most um, informed fan out there. So LandryFootball.com is where you want to be. Uh, take advantage of the rollback prices that we offer on the football season sale. It'll get you 12 months. Uh, if uh, you want to try it out for a month, try it out for six months, whatever is your pleasure, LandryFootball.com. If you like football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com. Uh, also, uh, a reminder, and we're going to talk about it in a bit, about our good friends at MyBookie. Um, football season's back, and boy, you want to be on board with MyBookie. That on in a little bit. For an NFL general manager and his staff, uh, the last week of preseason games leading up to the formation of the opening day roster is a very hectic time. Uh, it's known as the final cut. It consists of different personnel decisions dictated by somewhat complicated rules. The final cut, as I mentioned, occurs on August 29th at noon Eastern. At that time, a club must reduce this active roster to 53 players. Teams do this by cutting players from their existing 90-man roster and, play to, and placing certain qualified players on various restricted lists without putting you through the upper-level, graduate-level class on NFL roster management. We're going to highlight the most important definitions and restriction lists as they apply to this process. So um, let's talk, first of all, <clears throat> the roster cutdown uh, and the differentiating of players. There are two categories of players on every roster who have different rights under the collective bargaining agreement. A vested veteran is a player with four or more years of NFL service. When a team cuts a vested veteran prior to the trading deadline in the regular season, he's not subject to the waiver system. He becomes a free agent. A player with fewer than four years of active service when cut at any time, is subject to the waiver system. That means any other team in the league could claim him. There's a claiming priority, which up until week three of the regular season is based on the previous year's record. So go back 
to the draft order of last year. And that is going to be the claiming order of players, meaning if more than one team claims a player, then whoever was picking first in last year's draft gets him until week three of the regular season, which is then based on the current year records. It directly mirrors the order of the previous draft, and the team with the worst record has priority on any way player following in reverse order of a one-loss record by all others, with the Super Bowl champion being last. In short, if released at the final cut, vested veterans are free agents. All others are subject to waiver claims. Um, We're going to talk about uh, a couple of things regarding using restricted lists and using injured reserve. There are two major restricted lists and both significantly impact the strategy of the cutdown. The first is physically unable to perform, commonly referred to as PUP. A player who sustains a football-related injury before training camp and was placed on active PUP may be activated at any time during the camp. If he's not ready to go at the cut to 53, he could be placed on reserve PUP. He will not count against the 53-man roster limit, but is ineligible to be activated to practice or play for regular season games. PUP, or PUP players, are not subject to waiver claims. The next is using injured reserve. The second major category of restricted list is injured reserve. A player with a major injury who will not be ready to play at the cut to 53 can be placed on injured reserve and does not count against the active roster, uh, the final 53. If placed on IR, the injured reserve, before the cut to 53, that player is ineligible to practice or play for the entire season, including the playoffs. If that same player is placed on the active roster on cutdown day and remains in that status for 24 hours, he can be subsequently placed on IR. At that time, he will not count against the 53-man roster, and in this status, he's not eligible to practice or play for four regular season games. A big, important distinction, and it'll help you understand how injured players are manipulated here through this process or utilized so their availability. So it depends on severity of the injury, and it depends upon uh, circumstances. The reason why this was changed the IR list used to be a way to stash players illegally. It put just a bunch of players on IR, and they would end up practicing all year. So you'd have like a practice squad, and then you'd have, you know, 20 guys on IR, which really weren't injured. So they made this rule. So there are arcane rules that apply to practice for PUP and IR players, which I'm not going to confuse you with. The important thing to remember is an injured player placed on the active list for 24 hours at the cut to 53 is eligible to come back to the active roster after four regular season games. A club may activate players from injured reserve eight times during the season. This effectively creates a 61 man roster for three quarters of the regular season. If you think about it. So we're going to next talk about getting ready for the cutdown day, but I'm going to tell you, Right now, you need to get ready for football season and the winning season with my bookie. So football is back, and so is the winning season at my bookie. NFL, college football, and a brand-new cash-out system gives you options to bet and win all season long. 
first two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and use the funds on another bet or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag now and register for an account free. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use promo code LANDRY, all caps, L-A-N-D-R-Y, to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code LANDRY, all caps, L-A-N-D-R-Y, to claim your deposit bonus, and for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. Again, use the promo code L-A-N-D-R-Y in all caps. Go to mybookie.website slash join with Landry to find out details. So when you look at getting ready for cut down day, if you look at um, with our class in various restricted categories, complete and understanding, hopefully, let's take a look at the task of the general manager and the staff they must face before actually getting the cut down day. The waiver and trade market surrounding the cut to 53 presents the last real opportunity for a club to upgrade multiple spots on its roster, and teams must and do take advantage of it. The first order of business is for the general manager and head coach to meet with the medical staff and get a final reading on the readiness of PUP and injured players. Because of roster limitations, an injured player who will not be back for a significant amount of time but is valuable to the team must be placed on the active roster at the cut to uh, cut to 53 and stay there for 24 hours before being placed on the IR list. He's then eligible to return for the regular season, as I've mentioned. Because medicine is, isn't an exact science, clubs always err on the side of caution when it comes to significant contributors. They carry the player down in order to have him available when healthier later in the season. How do you handle vested veterans? The next task that we do is to identify the vested veterans who are not subject to waiver claims. A club will often terminate such a player with the understanding he will sign a day later when carried down to injured reserve and are uh, are placed on IR. Veterans who are happy with their situation are often willing to do so in return for a modest signing bonus and a new contract. Vested veterans who are on the roster for the opening game have their contracts fully guaranteed for that season. As a result, many vested veteran backups are terminated at the cut to 53 with the understanding they will resign by the club the day following the first game of the regular season when their contracts are not fully guaranteed. What we like to do also in concurrence with this is to develop a claim board. We call it a claim board. When the general manager, personnel director, and head coach are engaged in roster management discussions, the pro scouting staff has put together the final touches on the claim board. They have evaluated every player likely to be cut and placed them on a board by position in order of priority as they fit for their team, just like the draft. How do they fit for your team? may not be the guys that you think are the best because you may recognize certain guys more than others. This is not a popularity contest. You put them by position in order of priority and you rank them. 
Um, I use, and most teams use, a color-graded system. There's a numerical graded system that corresponds to the color. But so you know uh, that's a way to differentiate players for whom you would trade for as opposed to who you'd simply claim. We share this board with the head coach and the owner, but no one else. Um, the claiming period is very, very competitive. Depending on where your club stands in the claiming priority, your focus differs. If you're high in the claiming order, you concentrate on using claims to upgrade. Um, whereas if you are in the middle or lower tier, a trade to fill a need could be necessary. If you are a playoff team and at the bottom of the claim priority, your assistant GM, your personnel director has probably been working the trade market hard since helpful players cut by others are not likely to get to you. During the week preceding the last preseason game, the head coach would join the pro scouting staff uh, and me to discuss potential trades and possible claims that could help us upgrade. We want him to focus on specific position upgrades or injury replacements without having to worry about the total roster picture. You have a final staff meeting. Um, you gathering is a gathering that gets all, all the fanfare. The final staff meeting to cut the squad in attendance are the head coach and his staff, the general manager, the assistant GM, if you got one, the personnel director, head athletic trainer, one of the doctors, you know, pro personnel director. There's, there's, there's a lot of talk about, well, who has the final say? Well, yeah, there's always that final say, but anybody that thinks that it's not a collaborative effort is clueless. Anybody that goes into a meeting and just goes against what all of us football people think are just bound to lose. Uh, it's a collaborative effort everywhere, all 32 teams. Um, the position coaches in this meeting will rank their players in priority order. Um, so, for example, at running back, you'd list your player A and player B is the number one and number two. Maybe player C is listed as a solid number three on your roster. No argument. If you do not carry a fullback, he was replaced by a third tight end. The running back and special teams coaches wanted to carry a fourth running back who was a contributor on special teams. Doing that would necessitate cutting a promising young player at another position. That player could possibly have been lost on waivers. It's a tough decision. I, I always favored keeping special teams contributors. As a legitimate Super Bowl contender, I went along knowing we might regret losing a promising young player via the waiver system. If you're a contender, winning now is all that matters. If you're a team, and no one will say this publicly, that is not quite ready to win at the highest level, you're going to opt for keeping the younger player because that's going to make a big difference. It might help you a little bit this year, but it's going to help you greater in the long run if you keep the younger player. It'll help you this year if you keep maybe the veteran, that special teams player. But you have to look at it, too, is you've got to be fair to the coach that is maybe sacrificing a win or two this year. And with the certainty that he's going to be around and his staff's going to be around as long as they do a good job developing for the future year because you don't want to – handcuff them now and then hold them accountability for the decisions you made long-term. Uh, that's to me, not a good way of doing business. If you're the general manager of a rebuilding team, you 
will try much harder to convince the coach not to risk losing a promising young player in order to keep a veteran back up. In that situation, the general manager would likely prevail one way or the other. Core players. On every team, there are 35 to 40 players who form the core. The first order of business is to identify from among the remaining players, those who have no future with your club. There is usually little disagreement about these players. The next discussion would be on those players who would form our 16-man practice squad. There were usually 20 or so players identified in this group as coaches have a hard time separating prospects. In addition, you need specified position fillers to practice officially. For example, if you keep eight offensive linemen on the 53, you need at least two more on the practice squad for efficiency. Teams must waive all of these players. The personnel staff needs to be nimble and flexible because other clubs could claim them. I always said, you don't always uh, release the, you don't always keep the best players and release guys that are not as good. Sometimes you will release a better player that is more likely to claim waivers. It's tougher to get a quarterback or a big guy, offensive or defensive lineman through waivers. They will get picked up. So you're more likely to say, let's keep a, let's, let's wave a running back that you like better. That's great at higher, but there's a better chance he could clear waivers. You could bring them back. So you can, I think, manipulate and get, keep the better roster that way. Uh, the next thing I want to touch on is putting veterans on the market. The most difficult discussion revolves around veterans you must expose to waivers in order to keep promising rookies who might be claimed. Um, I've been a party to cut meetings that were emotional, contentious, position coaches don't want to risk losing trusted veterans in order to keep a rookie they don't know very well. Special teams coaches additionally always has a key veteran non-specialist or two that he does not want to lose. These decisions are more difficult. If you're up against a salary cap, it's way more difficult. I learned early to make money decisions on veterans in February, not in September, where it can impact morale. Let me explain that. If you're going to make a decision on parting with a veteran, do it in February in the offseason, you know, before as the free agency period begins. You've got time to add guys, build confidence in other players. It doesn't affect morale. You release a key veteran in September for money, and some teams have to do it because of salary cap. It's going to negatively affect the morale of the team doing it in September, meaning right now, the end of August, early September, because the season is upon us. So uh, experience taught me to handle hard decisions in advance. The collaborative process. We would meet every night in camp to check on any issues that might have cropped up. If we saw a veteran versus rookie battle looming, we would share perspectives and explore alternatives. If necessary, we'd bring in the position coach and coordinator into the discussion long before the final cut to smooth the process. Often, we found a way to keep both players. If a tough decision cannot be avoided, at least all concerned had their say, which helped calm the waters a little bit. Looking for more. The final task was to identify positions where we could try to upgrade. Since this is an uncertain business, the coaches offered their thoughts on where upgrades were needed, but left the rest of the personnel department. Following this meeting, the personnel staff and head coach met with all the players 
who are going to be exposed to waivers, but whom we wish to keep in some capacity. Veterans who were exposed by, exposed by teams went first. I talked with their agents and to them personally. We told practice squad candidates their status and advised them to stay in town until we had clarity on waivers. Players clear waivers at noon Eastern the following day. At this point, everyone took a deep breath. After a short break, the personnel department would begin a final run-through of the claim board. The general manager and his assistant continued trade talks, and everyone anxiously awaited on news of those players who other clubs released. The next day, the league office calls with the names of your players released who have been claimed and those claims you have made that have been awarded to you. The personnel department notifies all concerned and begin the process of onboarding new players as soon as possible as obviously time is as the essence with uh, week one getting ready to go which is why they've made the schedule so it gives you basically kind of a week and a half to get ready for week one of the season hope that gives you a better understanding of the roster cut down process it's not just oh yeah we like this guy we're going to release this guy it's a painstaking process to go through it's something that goes through every day in training camp, every day in the evaluation process from, you know, everything from how they played at the end of last year to currently in training camp and practice and preseason games, looking at the health of the player, looking at the salary of the player, looking at all of it and putting it all into one. This is what we do and have to do to get to the final roster. Hope that gives you a better understanding. Hope you enjoyed it. A reminder again, check out our great folks at MyBookie. Um, use the promo code Landry, L-A-N-D-R-Y. Folks, they're going to help you win some money this football season. And if you want to get prepared and um, understand better who to bet on, understand the game, the college game, the pro game, go to LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of the football season sale that we have going. Um you don't like that? Try it out for a month. Try it out for six months. You're going to absolutely love it. It's going to make you the most informed fan in your group. Uh, also, a reminder to subscribe, like, and share to this Landry Football Podcast Network that you're listening to. That way you don't miss any of our shows on the Landry Football Podcast. Always great to be with you, folks. We'll talk to you again next time, everybody.